come of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary? asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, her relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Olive had died 
very suddenly and very tragically. The prayers that were being offered by the people of this church was a prayer that we probably have never prayed before. It was a prayer for resurrection. I have to tell you today that I have preached a number of funerals, but I have never performed a resurrection. If I did, I think some of you might book me sometime out farther ahead. Others of you would say, I don't want you, I don't want to be resurrected, I just want to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. I wonder if there is anyone here this morning Person. 
simply listen to God and say, yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll obey. Yes, it will be as you have spoken. C.S. Lewis called the incarnation the grand miracle. He says this, the central miracle asserted by Christians in the incarnation, they say, God became man, and every other miracle prepares for this, or exhibits this, or results from this. It was a central event in the history of the earth, the very thing that the whole story has been about. And really, this miracle of the incarnation, it really is beyond our understanding, because for most of us, when we look at one another, when we think of God becoming man, we really think that it was an okay thing for God to do. But that would say something about what we think about God. That we do not fully comprehend how great and powerful and majestic and glorious and holy and loving He is. Imagine if I was going to tell you that, um, that there was a group of people that, that needed to hear the gospel. And the only way that they would understand is if you would become like one of them. You being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ says, ah, I'd be glad to do that. And I said, but becoming one of them, I said, you're going to have to take the body that you have and, and we're going to kind of stuff that body into a new body. And this body is a slimy body. This, in fact, the best way I can tell you about your new body is that of a slug. And, and you're going to just kind of squirm in the gushy, oozy, uh, I don't know what to describe it except slime. Some of you are going, ooh, that, that, that sounds good. I don't think I want to do that. I want to let you know that I'm not convinced that today we truly understand the sacrifice that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, made by becoming one of us. But he did it. He did it to communicate, as we read this morning, about his love. So the greatest miracle of all that wonderful, incomprehensible act by which God became man. And he was born to a young Jewish girl named Mary in a manger in Bethlehem. About 2,000 years ago, during the reign of Herod the Great, when that baby was born, our world began to change. And the power of the life and the teaching and the death and the resurrection of Jesus do not lie in the events itself. The power of these events derived from the person of Jesus himself. His words have power and authority because they are the words of God incarnate. His life has power because it is the life of God incarnate. His death and resurrection have power because they are the death and resurrection of God incarnate. R.C. Spool said this. He said, what we celebrate at Christmas is not so much the birth of a baby, but the incarnation of God himself. And is it any surprise to any of us that three of the four Gospels begin their record of Jesus' work by emphasizing the wonder of the Incarnation? Matthew records how Jesus was miraculously consumed in the womb of Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that he was God with us. Luke, the great physician, makes it clear that Jesus is the Son of God. John describes the eternal Word who is God and has become flesh and dwelt among us. This morning when we had Luke chapter 
1, verse 26 to 38, read to us. One thing that just kept jumping out of it again for me was the response of an ordinary person that God was speaking to. I want to say to everyone here today that I am convinced that God still speaks. The question is, are we listening? I want to say to you this morning, I believe that God still speaks. The question is, are we listening? I have had times, even recently, within this week, when I, I, I sat at a, a breakfast table or a lunch table with somebody, and, and, and they said, you know, Tim, I, I just don't hear from God anymore. It, it, it's like he's gone silent. And I want to let you know something. All of heaven shouts his messages. I want to let you know that the Bible that we have is God's eternal word. Jesus Christ is the eternal word. And he speaks. I wonder today if we're not so all wrapped up into all the other trimmings we've added to Christmas. And we don't listen to his voice. The premise of this message is real simple. When you put your trust in God, not when the person next to you puts your trust in God. Not, not when your staff puts their trust in God. Not when the church board puts their trust in God. When you put your trust in God, nothing that He, that is God, asks you to do will ever be impossible. Amen. See, most people today, the miracle they want is they want God to do what they want. You know, God, I, I want an extra half million dollars. God, could you give me that? But I want to let you know this miracle is not that way. Mary is not saying to God, God, I've got this list of things I want for you this year. Mary is minding her own business, being faithful to God, and God begins to speak to her. So what is it that God wants to say to you? Some of you think that you may be too insignificant but he chose me to be the vessel through which he would enter this world circumstances that Mary and Joseph found themselves in were far from ideal the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem was approximately 90 miles Maybe on a good day they could have traveled 10 miles, and of course, there, there were no automobiles, there were no subways, there were no taxis, no public transportation. Mary was about to deliver a child. So much of what we see in the Christmas story, even what we can read in Scripture sometimes, is so void of some of the difficulties and challenges that Mary and Joseph had. Sometimes we think that our difficult situations can any, in any way relate to that of Mary and Joseph. But difficult situations are prime opportunities for God to speak. And through obedient vessels, God chooses to act. And when God acts in and through the people he has created, miracles you and I know that we cannot schedule a miracle. Or can we? Can miracles be scheduled or not? 
Jewish people had waited for hundreds of years, waiting for a Messiah. The prophets had proclaimed that one was coming that was going to make everything right, but year after year after year went by. Some of you, you've been praying for loved ones. You've been praying for year after year after year. Some of you have physical situations that you're dealing with, and you've been saying, God, is there anything that you can do? Could you remove that thorn in the flesh? Could I be able to see or hear? And year after year, things happen. Maybe you can't schedule a miracle. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5 says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. You see, God had a purpose, and he had a plan, and he had a time for the sending and the entrance of his son into this world. Mary and Joseph, i got to tell you, they would not have scheduled the miracle of the birth of Jesus to have taken place in their life, at least in the beginning. In fact, if they wanted anything, they would have been something else. I want you to know that the method of a miracle may take different shapes and forms than what we think it should. And again, I'm not convinced that Mary and Joseph thought that this was the right way for God to come into the world. I just want you to think for a moment. If you're God, how would you have come into this world? How many of you would say, I would have come as a baby? Anybody? You would have come as a baby. Okay? Yeah, nobody would have come as a baby. Are you there? Sound asleep. Trying to wake you up. How many of you, when you came, you would have had a press conference? to announce your arrival. How many of you would have gone on TV, Facebook Live? I mean, you would have just gone viral with the news that you had come. Think about why did God come to Spain? Why be vulnerable? Think about Mary and Joseph. God, choose someone else. Come another way, God. Don't mess with my life. Don't mess with my plans, my hopes, and my dreams. But Mary says in Luke 129, the word says this, that Mary was greatly troubled by the news. And then the angel says, Mary, you are highly favored. Now, if I'm Mary, I'm going, I don't want to be favored. I don't want to be highly favored. If this is what's going to happen to me, I'm engaged. We haven't had sex. Everybody's going to think something about me. And the Holy Spirit's going to call me and I'm going to have a child? Are you kidding me? And then the angel says in that new passage, don't be afraid. And I don't know about you, but anytime I hear when I was small, said, hey, don't worry, Tim. Don't be afraid. I'm going to tell you, I knew right then that I should be scared to death. <laughs> hey, look at that in Scripture. It says it over and over. Don't be afraid. And every time the angel says that, you go, oh, I'm in trouble. Anybody with a brain would know that. Oh. 
thought you would have. This child's from God. I mean, put yourself in Mary's shoes. In the Christmas story, don't just stand outside the story. Get in the story. Put yourself in her shoes. And recognize that the God that created you wants to communicate to you. And that he's got something to say in some way for you to be involved in this great story of God's love. To a world, to humanity, which has turned its back on you. Amazingly, Mary does not say, leave me alone. Go find another way. Bible says that she believed God and she put her trust in God. Because of that, she became part of a miracle. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be to me fulfilled. So this morning, I believe that Mary is a great example for us. I have to ask you, what's God saying to you? What's he speaking into your life? I'm convinced today that God is even right now communicating to me. I think the song when we were singing about that his name is a strong tower, I, I think he was trying to say to some of you in this service today, he was saying, you don't have to go anywhere else but to me. The struggles, the problems, and the challenges you're facing. I know what's going on in your life, and I can help you through it. I can empower you, I can equip you, and I can help you. I believe God's saying that to this church as a whole. I certainly didn't see that I would be with you during this time of December a year ago. But I am. God is not shaken. God remains. And he is still speaking to this church and his need to be a light in the darkness of Columbus and beyond. He's still calling people to be involved in ministry inside the walls of the church and outside the walls of the church. There are young families all across this community. There's all kinds of young families through your day school ministry that so desperately need the good news and the experience of the life that you have and you take for granted with one another. See, Mary was willing to let God work through her life as he will. And that's the challenge for us today. We want God on our terms. We want God to do something for us rather than simply saying to God, I'm listening to you. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. But what might happen in your life and in your family, on your job, if you would go there and you would just say every day, God, what is it you want me to do? I'm going to do it. How radically different our world and our culture would be. We heard in the very beginning what would happen is love would rule. There would be acts of love, not just simple random acts of love. I was in town here in Columbus on Friday and I stopped at a McDonald's. I pulled up and I was trying to head back to back home and the lady says, uh, you're number five. And, and I said, I'm number five. I said, I haven't been five for a long time. She says, you're number five. In fact, it wasn't McDonald's. I think it was Wayne's. 
wherever I was at. I was someplace. I said, hey, explain that to me. I, I don't look five. They acted, but I don't look it. She said, well, the last five people have paid for the person behind them. They just bought your meat. I stopped her and I said, you mean five people? I, all in a row, they all did that? Well, I couldn't break the chain. She said, well, you made 18 cents by paying for the person behind you, not paying for your own. And I said, oh, wow, that's it, 18 cents? What would happen? We would simply give up every point of God. What is it? You see, Mary trusted God, and God through obedience entered our world. And God today is looking to enter our world through your obedience. Into your community, into your home, into the neighborhood in which you live. I want you to know miracles don't bring the expected results. See, the Jewish people thought that when Jesus came on the picture, everything would be remarkably changed, especially politically and socio-economically. But that didn't happen. You see, they were looking for a Savior that would do what they wanted. And so often, the miracles we desire only would benefit us. But the miracle that Mary and Joseph experienced wasn't about them, it was about the entire world. When you see Christmas is a miracle of birth. Jesus, born of a virgin, and I know, I, I, I'm the geology chemistry major. When I was at Olivet my first couple years, I, I want to let you know, I understand biology. I've taken some biology classes, and I, I want to let you know, I think I understand how kids are born. And most people in their right mind would say it just doesn't happen when there's just one female and whatever spirit might be around them. And some of you would say, well, I, I, I struggle with this whole thing. And I just want to say to you that that may say something about your concept of who God is. For you see, if we have a God that can simply speak this world into existence, who can literally say, let there be light and there is light, then I, I just got to tell you, the birth of a child is, is no big deal for God. Amen. And so when we begin to think about what we believe and how we live our lives, and, and, and then the ramifications of how we believe and we live, virgin birth is an epidemic. That's small potatoes to God. Because God is more than able to handle not just the big problems of this world, but your Christmas is a miracle of birth. It's also a miracle of love. We heard it described this morning in a very beautiful, tangible way. <coughs> I kind of connected as soon as they said that as a husband, you love your wife, you do the dishes. And, and you know, I've always loved that the Lord helped provide somebody the idea to get a dishwasher. <laughs> so I love doing the dishes for my wife. Love putting them in and putting a little tablet thing in there. Hit the buttons. But for about two weeks, our dishwasher has not worked. And I just got to tell you, I love that my wife pulls those dishes and fills up the sink and she washes them. And every once in a while, I wash them. <laughs> I love great with washing dishes. But 
Christmas is also a miracle of salvation. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. It is a miracle of joy. You see, when Jesus was born, the world rejoiced. Don't let anyone rob your joy. Don't let, don't let this time, this season, keep you from listening to the voice of God. Christmas is an opportunity and a miracle of opportunity. It is a miracle of opportunity. I know you don't know me and I don't know you. Think about that a 
Do I believe that God can raise the dead? Yes, I do. And I think if God asked me to do something with that, I probably would. There are some of you that are out there, you've been coming to this church for a while, maybe a long time. Maybe you thought they'd come to church and doing all the right things is what God wanted. I think what he really is looking for is for you to listen to him and then obey. You see, I was number six. Whether it was at McDonald's or Wendy's or whatever that place was. And I paid a bill for somebody behind me. Your words, thank you. 